We are in a summer of songs. We're talking about thriving with hope. And, and I hope that this, uh, this series has uh, challenged you to, to go deeper into the Psalms. I have a study plan that I use that enables me to read through the Psalms twice a year. And so I'm about to finish my second reading through the Psalms. And I, I really hate that it's going to be over because the, the Psalms are, are such a blessing. If you're looking for a simple way to study the Psalms. Let me, let me give this to you. This, this is one of the easiest ways I know how. You take the day of the month, like today is July 4th. So you would take Psalm 4 and then you would go up 30. So you would read Psalm 4, Psalm 34, 64, 94, 124. And by doing that, what you do is you read five Psalms a day and within a month's time, you would have read all of the Psalms. Now, here's what's really interesting about doing it that way, is that there is a repetition of theme every 30 Psalms in the book of Psalms. And so as you're reading it, even though those Psalms may be different in, in terms of author or even when they were written, the Holy Spirit speaks in such a powerful way, you can see a theme that, that really, really reveals itself. And it's been such a blessing to me over the years when I've done it. So again, I, I just encourage you to, to be students of the Psalms. The Psalms have been used uh, by, for millennia by, by God's people. They, their songs and their testimonies and it's poetry that speaks to the greatness of God and to the realities of our, of our own lives. How we handle the trials and the challenges and the blessings that, that God brings. And for those of us who are in Christ, you know, the Psalms give hope to those who follow Jesus. There's something powerful that happens in the hearts and minds of those who are walking with the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and as you walk through these, as you grow to love them and use them and have them speak into you and then work through your life, your, your love for God is going to grow and your devotion to him will be strengthened. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Even as we are kind of walking through these, we're just hitting different ones, although the, the psalm today is very precious to me. Uh, verse one of this psalm inspired one of my favorite hymns, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, this psalm was one that helped me during a very difficult time in my life, helped me sustain my faith. This faith that enables us to be a people who are thriving. Let's not forget what that means, thriving, is having the confidence to be intimate with God, and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. You've, you've heard that if you've been around here for a while. Think for just a moment about what, what kind of God there has to be for that type of life to occur. He has to be a powerful God. And he has to be good. He's got to know us and care about us. And we've got to trust him. This kind of thriving is not something that we can concoct on our own. It's not something that we can create or that we can discipline out. It's something that we do in concert with the goodness of God and the grace that he's given to us in Christ that we understand through his word. And what, what we'll find as we're looking at, at this psalm in particular today is that, is that God, shows us, God shows us how to hope even when it feels like the, the world around us is falling apart. I've gone through different seasons when I felt that. One of those seasons was a, was a time when I was in so much pain and, and so overwhelmed that I, I, was, I was going to not only resign from ministry, I was going to walk away from God. 
And in his goodness, the Lord was faithful. And of some other scriptures, he used the psalm we're going to study today. And so I want to encourage you to be equipped with this psalm because it's, it's a great help. It's, it's one of those when, when, again, the world feels like it's falling apart, the Lord reminds us that we can have hope. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is, is again, it's so, it's so sacred to me. It's God's sacred word, but it's so, uh, so powerfully personal uh, in, in, in the way it, it teaches us. Let's all stand together in, in honor of God's word. Anna Brown's going to come and read for us just the first four verses of this beautiful psalm. And so, and if you don't mind, read for us Psalm 46, one through four. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. This psalm uh, launches what is known as a, really a trilogy of triumph songs. Look, look, if you will. So we're in Psalm 46. Uh, glance over at Psalm 47 and look at how Psalm 47 begins. It, you know, clap your hands, O peoples. There's this, this call to shout to God, to praise him, to be mindful of how awesome he is, to be feared. He's great over all the earth. And then look at verse, I'm sorry, chapter 48. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Um, Psalm 46, Psalm 47, Psalm 48, these are triumphant psalms. These psalms were written to, to encourage God's people. This psalm in particular, our psalm today, Psalm 46, is what is called a consolation psalm. It consoles God's people. Uh, uh, a consolation psalm consoles the Lord's people with God's might, His protective care. And his ability to shatter all the combinations the enemies of God may form against his people. This is particularly meaning for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. Because we, we know that God is with us through the power of the Spirit. Because of the grace given to us in Christ our Lord. And we know that there is a plan. That there is a purpose for all that we are going through. And so you think about what was happening in our nation a year ago. Cities were burning. There were riots. We were in the midst of this, this crazy pandemic. And, you know, to, to look at things, you, 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 you would wonder. I, I know I did. Because I would watch one news source and it would say one thing about what was happening. And then there was another news source that would say, talk about the same thing. But they were not saying it in the same way. And he got the real sense that neither one was telling the whole truth. Kind of felt like there was partial truth with a unique perspective. And meanwhile, I don't know if y'all noticed this last year, but science for the first time ever was not consistent. It was geographically driven. For instance, for some people, if you lived in a certain state, the pandemic was real bad. But if you went to Florida, apparently they didn't have the pandemic. I don't know if you knew that or not. But remember how all the, it was just so crazy because they're saying, trust the science. Well, it wasn't consistent. Trust the news information. It's, I can tell you're not telling everything. Meanwhile, there's, there's all this, this pain and suffering and anger. 
And yet God was faithful. Here we are today, we're looking back. And we, we realize that, that God has a plan. God was working. I know he did a great work in the life of our church. I know he did a work in, the, in, in my own life as, as I have seen God be so good and so true to his promises. And this is the God that we have, you know, as the United States, you know, we, we've been through many volatile seasons of war, of cultural upheaval, economic panics, pandemics, natural disasters. And typically when these things happen, there's a call to national prayer. And even if there was a call, I'm not sure how much of a response it would get. Our nation has gotten to a place where there's not as many people of prayer as there once were. Uh, there has been a hardening of the national soul towards God himself. And, and, and it, it makes you wonder what, what's going to happen. And, and there's, there's some that are beginning to get, you know, really riled up and, and, and concerned. And, and I want to encourage you this morning. If, if you are a child of God by grace through faith in Christ alone, I want to remind you of something you already know, but I want to remind you of it. God always has a remnant. God always has a people who love him, who have been called according to his purpose that are going to continue to thrive. If you'll remember in uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah was dealing with depression. He was overwhelmed with what was happening with the government. He was overwhelmed with what was happening in his life. And he was kind of having a pity party. And he was crying out to God, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And God spoke and said, no, no, boy, no, no. I got 7,000 others too. You're not the only one. And so for those of you who are walking in Christ and you're seeing things that seemingly are falling apart in our world, no, you're not alone. There are others who are standing in Christ. So stand strong. And as you do, pray faithfully. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for an awakening. And we need to be praying for the church to be revived. Every Sunday we release our prayer focus. Every Sunday we have a prayer that we want the entire church to be praying. And we want the church to pray every day for an awakening. That, that there would be a transformation in our culture, not because of specific laws or because of particular leaders, but because of the work of grace in Christ alone. That's what an awakening is. And, and on Wednesdays, we pray for revival. We pray that God's people would be revived. Understand there is a distinction. An awakening is what happens when people who are dead to God are born again and they're made alive in Christ. And, and we need a great spiritual awakening in our nation. And we need to be praying for it. We also need revival in the church. Not just Living Hope, all Bible-believing churches. We need there to be a renewal, a strengthening, uh, and, and, and a passion within the hearts of God's people that only God can bring about so so we have to pray and, and we can't be discouraged. Again, we're not the only ones. We're not the first ones to ever go through something like this. Uh, there was uh, 70 years ago in Scotland, there was, there was an event that took place. And, and the first two services, very few people have he ever heard about it. How many of you have ever heard of the uh, uh, Hibernese uh, revival? A couple of you. Yeah, not very many. So let me tell you the story on this though. So there was uh, a time in Scotland 70 years ago when the nation had turned its back on God, the people were completely indifferent. And there were a couple of ladies, two elderly ladies. One was 84 and blind, 
And the other one was 82 and hunched over with arthritis. And they could not, they couldn't go to church, not that anyone was there. And they began to pray for a great awakening. And they began to pray for a revival of the church. And they were faithful in their prayer. And God moved in such a powerful way that here we are 70 years later we're talking about the Hebrides revivals and where did it begin not with massive crowds of people with two sweet elderly ladies with a heart for God crying out to the Lord to be at work friends we've got to pray We've got to pray for our nation. We've got to pray for his church. We've got to ask God to do what only he can do. And we need to be prepared for God to work. We need to be praying for each other. As the world is falling apart around us, seemingly, our lives are going to hit sometimes when it feels like they're falling apart. Every week, people sit in the pews just like you are now just like they have all day. This is our third service. Someone was sitting in the pew before you probably. And here's what I'm mindful of. Every single week, something happens to one or more of our members. Last week, uh, I I got report while I was away. uh, One of our families was in a horrific car accident. I got word that one um, one of our members had been stricken with a, with a disease and they really don't know what to do with it. Uh, got word that one of our members had suffered the, the loss of a loved one. And you know what? Last week, if you would have asked them, how you doing? They would have said, fine. If you said, is there anything I can pray for? Oh, you know, we're okay, we're doing well. And, and maybe that's where some of you are right now. You're sitting right here right now where you are and as far as you know, all is well. But here's what I... I Law of average will tell me some of you who are sitting here right now are going to be in the midst of a situation that is going to make you feel that the world is falling apart and you need to be ready for it. And that's what our psalm today does. It prepares us to be a people thriving with hope, even when it feels like the whole world is falling apart. So take note of these three things that our text teaches us. The first is this. When it feels like the world is falling apart, God's people must trust in God's provision. Trust in it. Trust in him. I love the language here. God is our refuge. This word, Marseille, it refers to a stronghold. It's an impenetrable fortress. Here's good news. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have been saved and you are now hidden in Christ and Christ is in you and he is a mighty fortress and and he's impenetrable. That doesn't mean that that there's not going to be bad things that happen to you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through pain and suffering. What it means is anything you go through, God is allowing it. See, if you're not a Christian, if you're out in this world on your own, everything that comes to you comes to you. It hits you. But for those of us who are in Christ, we're in a fortress and that fortress is our God. And our God, he stands strong and he is faithful and whatever comes, he allows it to come. God is our refuge and strength. This word strength is the word owes. It emphasizes God's power, his power to save in the midst of the trial. So often in these triumphant psalms, there is this this sense of 
the end victory. But what you'll read in, in these Psalms in particular, there's victory in the challenge. There's power to endure through the pain, to, to be strengthened because God is our refuge and our strength. And, and then look at this, a very present help, not a sort of present help, a very present help. He's always accessible. He sees and he knows. And just as importantly, he cares. God sees what we go through. God knows what we go through. And God cares. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about how we go through, what we go through, knowing that he has a plan for it. He wants us to trust him. And God's people are able to trust him because of who God is. Look what it says in verse four. What is God? He, God is like a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. I imagine, I know a little bit about the the, the geography of the day and, and, the, and the river and, and what that would have uh, accomplished for the people of that city. But for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, when we see this, I know when I see this, let me tell you where my mind goes. And I want you to turn there real quick. Go to Revelation 22. When I see the Bible talking about a river in the midst of a city, my mind immediately goes to the fortification that is heaven itself. It's the very last chapter of the Bible. Go to Revelation chapter 22. Look what it says. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. This is symbolic language. So here's Christ on the throne in, in the midst of God's presence. And where are they? Through the middle of the street of the city. So they're in the city of God where God's people have gathered. And from the throne, there is a, there is a river of life. And on either side, there's the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. They brought peace. So what we see in Psalm 46, we as Christians having the full canon, the entire scripture, our minds can now go to Revelation 22. And we can know that our God is a life-giving God. He is the river. He is the one that, that not just gives life, but sustains life. He is this river that flows in the midst of the city, in the midst of all that, that, it got, that is going on that God is doing in the world. In the, he's in the midst of her and he shall not be moved. Look at this. Not only is God the river, he's our help. He doesn't leave us. God will help her when morning dawns. Every morning, his mercies are new. He is always with us. He's always there and he's sovereign over the nations. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is working. He's in control. He has the power. He's given the life. He is sustaining so we can trust him. Friends, there's not a lot that you can trust in the world. But you can trust God. You know, one of the hardest things about being a parent is when your child has to go through suffering that you allow it. We, ha um, we know of a missionary, um, he was a medical missionary, he's a surgeon, working overseas and his son got sick. And his son needed surgery and he was the only surgeon. And so as the boy laid down 
he saw the scalpel and the other instruments and he looked at his dad and he said, dad, don't, please don't hurt me. And his dad said, son, I have to do this to heal you. I have to do this. This is going to hurt, but I promise you, I have a plan and there is a purpose. I need you to trust me. Our heavenly father knows what we need. And many times he will allow us to go through pain and suffering. But he has a plan and he has a purpose. And and what he cuts down into, he will mend. And what he takes away, we don't need. And what he's doing is he's conforming us to the image of God. So when it feels like the world is falling apart, when we're in the midst of this pain and, and this suffering, God our Father says to us simply, trust. We can always trust God because he's in control. He knows, he sees, and he cares. He cares for us. He's going to work and what he's going to do is to bring a blessing. Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Someone says, why am I suffering? Because God wants to bring glory to his name through you. And the only people that God has ever used in a significant way are people who've gone through pain. Study your Bible. Every leader that God has used in a significant way had to first go through suffering. It was as if it was a surgical activity that removed from them aspects of sin and pride that that could not have enabled and would have prohibited this person from accomplishing God's purpose. They had to trust in God. That momentary, that seemingly eternal from an eternal perspective light affliction was providing something bigger it says for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal god sees things from an eternal perspective And he sees what he's going to accomplish by allowing us to go through suffering and pain. He has a plan for it. There is a purpose for it. And he's with us. He's with us and he even gives us peace in the midst of it. John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. God says, yes, you're going to suffer. But good news, I'm in control. And I want you to have peace. I want you to know that you can trust. We can trust God. And he will provide not only supernaturally, but in a very natural way through his church. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. One of the ways God is often present to give us his strength is through his people. Now that can only happen if you are engaged in the body of Christ. Some of you are not active members, you are dismembered. You are not connected to the body. You you may fly by occasionally, you may hit a service every now and then. It's often comical to me uh, to have people say, hey, so-and-so said they were a member of our church. I said, really? Ask them what I'm preaching on right now and what I look like. 
What do you mean? Just ask them. If, if they don't know the preacher's bald and what he's, and what he's preaching on, they ain't going to live in hope because almost all of our preachers are bald. <laughs> Except David Head, and he's devilishly good looking and we hold it against him. But, friends, it, it's not enough that we show up. It's about sharing our life. And again, it's a big church. You're not going to be able to do that with everyone. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to be serving. That's why you need to be connected with people who will care for you and that you'll care for. This is how God is strong in us and through us. This is how he is our refuge and strength because he is supernaturally working, but he's also naturally working through the love relationships we have through the church. God provides. He always provides for his people and we have every reason to trust him. And as we do, as we trust him, we need to be looking for God's provision. So that's the second thing. When it feels like the world is falling apart, God's people must look for God's provision. Look for it. Looking is not a passive activity. It's something that that we choose to do. Look what it says in in verse 8. Come. It's a command. Come, behold, look. Behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Friends, we we must be wise and we must discipline ourselves to look. You know, you think about it when you were a child or maybe you were in preschool, early education. Before crossing the street, remember what they taught us to do? I bet you can finish this phrase. Before you cross the street, look. Every service has gotten 100 on that one. Look both ways. All right. When, When it feels like the world is falling apart... God says, look three ways. There's three ways that we need to be looking, beholding. First of all, backward. We need to look back and we need to remember how God has been faithful before. When you read the Psalms, one of the things you'll see constantly happening throughout all the ages, different writers, is there's a celebration of God's provision of the past, whether it be in creating the cosmos, whether it be in, in saving the people out of Egypt th- with the Exodus, or, or it's a unique uh, experience with an individual and they, they celebrate how God provided. We need, to, we need to be able to look back. Every Christian, every genuinely born again, saved believer has a has three, at least three parts to their story. Life before Christ, how they were saved, and then life after Christ. And I, I've, I've asked you again, I want to ask you again to do it. I, I want to just encourage you. And today would be a great day. This would be a great time to do this because hopefully you're going to be with family and friends. Share your story. Tell your children, tell your friends, here's what my life was like before Christ. Here's what happened when I was saved. And here's what God has been doing in my life. And then ask them, what's your story? And if they don't have a story, you share Christ. You share three circles. You share, hey, you know, if you repent and believe the gospel, you can be saved. And one of the great things about your story as a born-again believer is that as you have been faithful to God, as you have walked with him, he has provided for you. Tell the stories of God's provision. Tell your kids when they're looking at you and they're rolling their eyes, oh, great, here we go. The story of how we got a scholarship. Ah, oh, again with this, Dad. Yes, again with this, Dad. Because I'm going to die and I want everybody to remember my story. 
and how God was faithful. God has always provided. God always provides for his people according to his plan. And he's provided for you and he deserves glory for that. And you need to be telling people, look what God has done. And, and you need to hear other people's stories. You need to read other people's stories. One of the, my favorite things is, and one of the things that encourages my heart is to read Christian biographies. Uh, there's a series out there. I highly recommend it to you. It's called the Swan Series. One of my favorite books out of this whole series is called The Hidden Smile of God. Now, these, this whole series is by a pastor named John Piper. And what each book is, it's a collection of three, maybe four biographies of people. This one in particular is one of my favorites because it's uh, John Bunyan and um, David Brainerd and uh, who was the third one? Oh yeah, William Cowper. How many of you know, I'm going to name these names again, John Bunyan, William Cowper, and David Brainerd. How many of you guys know their stories? You need to know these stories. (laughs) Because of the faithfulness of God, you take up Bunyan, who was in prison for years. Without those imprisoned years, we wouldn't have the Pilgrim's Progress. David Brainerd, was, his story was written by Jonathan Edwards. This man died in his 20s. Some of you young adults, you need to read the story to realize the power of God and how God can be at work in your life. We need to read biography. And I got good news for those of you who say, I don't like to read. It's an audible, so I don't want to hear, no excuses. They'll read it to you. And what you're doing is you're looking back. You're looking backward. You're saying, how has God been faithful? Not just to me, but to other believers. We look back. And then we got, secondly, so we look back, but then we got to look around where we are right now. Look around for, for how God is at work right now. What he's doing right now is just talking to uh, one of our members who uh, just got back from a, a mission trip just a, a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying, what, what did you see that surprised you? And this was a closed country. He said, I couldn't believe how bold these people are. Our translator, he can't go back to his home country because he said they won't kill him. They'll just have him rot in a prison for the next 40 years of his life. They want to kill him, but they, they know they couldn't get away. He's talking about a, a young lady who's, who has a blog and is sending the story of Christ and the story of her testimony back into this closed, very violent country. And she's spreading the gospel through her friends. God is at work, friends. He's at work in your life. He's at work in the lives of the people around you. He's at work all over the world. We just need to look for it. You need to have conversations about it. Ask people, how's God at work in your life right now? What are the top two or three things you're praying for? How are you seeing God move in your midst? What is it you're hoping to see God do? How can I pray with you? Let's pray right now. This is looking around. So you look backward, you look around where you are now, and then third, you look forward. You look forward to what is ahead and you begin to anticipate, okay, how is God going to work? Let me tell you how God is going to work. He's going to work according to his word. God is always faithful to his word. So if you want to know what God's going to do, you need to study God's Bible and you need to be prepared with promises of God. A few weeks ago, I posted a ton of promises. I read them here. I posted those again last night. I beg you, friends, please, please, you need to have a list of promises in your back pocket, ready to pull out at any given moment. You don't need a bunch. 
Two or three will suffice. But I'm going to tell you something. When your child gets in a car wreck, when you have a heart attack, when they tell you you've got cancer and you're going to die, when they tell you you're fired, that your job is no longer available to you, that, that, you're, that the bankruptcy is going to happen, that you're going to lose all that you've got, you don't need to be thumbing through your scriptures. I wonder what God says about You need to have promises right there ready to go. Promises of God's provision. Promises that you can say, here's what I know that I know. And as you look forward, trusting that God will provide according to his word, as you look forward, you have to do something that I hate to do. I almost hate to preach on it, but it's God's word, so I'm going to. But do not follow my attitude about this because I don't like to do it. I'm disciplining myself to do it. You can pray for me in this because I don't want to do this. Is it clear I don't like this? When you're looking forward, the third thing you got to do, you got to wait for God's provision. When it feels like the world is falling apart, God's people must wait for God's provision. If I were writing the Bible, here's what it would say. Be busy and know that I am God. <laughs> but that's not what it says, is it? It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. There's a promise. I will be exalted in the earth. Another promise. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Friends, God is in control. Make no doubt about it. But we are responsible for our choices. God's will is going to get done. The question is, are we going to be a part of it or are we going to be crushed by it? It all depends on what we choose. We all have to make choices. Will we pray? Will we be faithful to God? Will we obey his word? Will we pursue his will? Will we trust him and look for him and then wait for him? Or will we go out and do things on our own? Friends, it is a huge mistake to get out in front of God. I can give a testimony. We've got to trust God. We're responsible for our actions. So here's what you got to do. Yes, you've got to pray. Yes, you've got to do everything that God has commanded you to do. And after you know that you have done everything that God has said for you to do, you have to wait. You have to wait for God to work. And, and please understand, this, this waiting is not passive activity. It's continuing to pray. It's continuing to look. It's continuing to, to, to hope in what God is going to do. And, and you're preparing yourself. You know, you think about those sweet ladies with the Herbides revival. You know, they were telling God, God, we're 84 and 82. We've got to get this going. God knew how old they were. God knew what his plan was. They had to wait. Friends, when you're waiting, you need to be anticipating God to answer. All right, and this is really important. First, the positive. If you're praying for God to do something, you need to anticipate he's going to say yes. And so what you need to be doing right now is, is pre preparing yourself. Okay, if God does this miracle, all right, I, some of you, you're, 
I'm praying I'll be married. I'm praying I'll have a baby. I'm praying for this job. I'm praying for peace in our home. I'm praying for uh, reconciliation. I- I'm, I'm praying for this awakening. I'm praying for this. Okay, you need to right now begin to prepare for God to say yes. Now, what you need to be preparing for is how are you going to give him the glory when he says yes? That needs to be a part of your prayer. God, when you answer, if you answer in the affirmative here, I'm going to give you glory because I'm going to tell who. I'm going to tell how. I'm going to tell what. What are you going to do for the glory of God's great name if he says yes? Now, also, what are you going to do when God says, no, you're not going to get married? No, you're not going to have a baby. No, you're not going to be reconciled in that broken relationship. No, you're not going to keep that job. No, your your health is is not going to be restored. No, you're not going to have that loved one. How are you going to bring him glory then? You need to prepare yourself now for how you're going to give God praise and glory when the answer is no. The waiting is not just sitting on your hands. The waiting is praying. The waiting is preparing. The waiting is anticipating. The waiting is looking to God saying, God, you're in control. You know what's best. So I trust you. I'm going to look and I'm going to wait. Friends, you're trusting in something or someone. What is it? Who is it you're really trusting in? If it's not the Lord, you're in trouble. Because whatever you're trusting in doesn't have the power to love you and care for you the way your eternal soul needs. Are you looking? Are you able, are you looking back? Are you looking around? Are you looking forward with the promises of God? Are you looking? And are you waiting? Are you talking to God about if he says yes and if he says no? Are you trusting? Are you looking? Are you waiting? Friends, this is the Christian life. And when it feels like the whole world is falling apart, we must trust in God's provision. We must look for God's provision. We must wait for God's provision. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. You're either in the midst of something that makes you feel like your world's falling apart. You're coming out of it or you're about to go in it. The question is not, is it gonna happen? The question is, how are you going to live in it, with it, as it happens? Friends, you need the Lord. You need the Lord. And so I wanna invite you today to receive Christ. I wanna encourage you today to renew your covenant relationship with him. I wanna encourage you to ask him for help. If you don't mind, let's all stand together. And as we stand, can I have our um, care leaders to come forward? Um, we have seen great success through this as our care leaders have been available at the end of the service. Uh, last week, we had people who were saved. We had people who have uh, renewed their faith commitment to Christ, who've experienced hope and peace through prayer. Um, these folks are here to minister to you. And I want you to to consider coming and talking with them. One, if, if you would like to have Christ in your life and for him to be your fortress, 
If, if you need to renew your faith commitment to Christ, or if you just want to come, we had folks at the end of the last service, they just came and got on their knees and they were just praying. They were just asking God to act, to work and to move. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so glad that you're mighty to save, that there is not a person in this room that is too far from you. You can save because you save sinners. And I pray this morning that there will be some who will come and talk with one of these leaders and that they will give their life to you, that you will pardon their sin having died for it and give them new life. God, I pray for some of your children who there's just not a passion for you. There's just not a delight in you. There's just not this leaning into you. And Father, I know you are too good and too gracious and kind to let us stay that way. And so you're going to bring pain. So I pray that right now that there will be a renewal that says, God, whatever comes, I will trust in you. I will lean into you. I will, I will learn to delight in whatever you've chosen for me. And Lord, there's some today who are in the midst of, of hardship. They need your help. Hear them as they bow before you. Hear them as they pray with one of these leaders. And God, show your grace and your goodness and give them peace as they go through the challenge with you. God, do this for your glory, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.